Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 277 for November 14th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about looting. What is it? What are the signs? And what can you do about it? So get ready to get your detective skills ready because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. to the show everyone joining me today is heather in southern california hi everyone and also andrew in southern california hello hello i am here <laughs> wow that's something right is there. that your halloween it, voice it totally it totally Wait. is we we actually have this like halloween little like uh hanging doll that hangs outside our house and what you do oh is God. you push it that's hat. not creepy no it's not creepy or anything <laughs> but you put but you push its hat and then it records. It, first, it goes "Happy Halloween," and then it <laughs> records whatever you say and says it back like two o- octaves higher. Oh it's my like, god! Oh. It's freaky and just so fun that you just can't stop. Like right. so, uh, yeah. Right. All the neighborhood kids, dude. You know, like come up and click the thing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. I recommend. Well, on on that note. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we're talking about looting today, but this is your topic, Andrew. What brought up the topic and how do you want to introduce this? Okay. So I think what brought up the topic, you know, I think it was an off the cuff topic from last time when we were Mm -hmm. discussing, you know, it just sort of deep in our discussions and and looting came up. I think it was recording, you know, looted sites and that kind of thing. And I thought, hey, we should just sort of expand and talk about our own experiences, like coming upon looted sites or what is looting? Mm-hmm. How does the general public see it, you know, versus in archaeology? How do we see it ethically? Have you ever been in a spot where uh, people have said, oh, my God, this site is looted and you come across it and it doesn't really seem that bad? Mm. I, I've I've been in every permutation of this, you know, so uh, I'm just curious about your guys' experiences with this as well. Okay. Yeah, I think we should start with some maybe some definitions like like you kind of alluded to, like like really what is looting? Right. Because, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's it's my property. I can dig up whatever I want. Right. And that that kind of is true in a lot of places. But in some places, it's Mm -hmm. also not true. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Heather, you can speak to California because, I mean, you can't drop a spoon in the ground in California without having a cultural resources assessment done, even in your own backyard. Right. So like, what's the, what's the deal there? Yeah. I mean, that's a bit of an (laughs) exaggeration, but yeah, (laughs) I mean, there are things that you can do. It depends on where you're at. You know, you, you can, there, there's work that you can do on your property. And mm-hmm. as long as it's not something that is, you know, subject to agency purview, then 
then you can do that. I mean, you, you could come across yeah. something if you're planting a tree, you know, that you could. So, and, you know, people do have a right to do with what they wish with their, with their property, you know, as long as they're following the, the law and mm-hmm. getting the permits that they need, but not everything needs a permit. Right. So, right. Yeah. I would say, yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, your, your own house, cause that's what people worry about. So my students ask all the time, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're digging in your backyard and find something, you're not really sure what that is. That doesn't start, you know, a section one Oh six assessment <laughs> and your house get taken away that, you know, that's what people are worried about. So, right. you know, the short answer is uh, for better or worse, private property is sacrosanct, you know, in the United States. And so in terms of when all these laws come in, that's much more like at federal lands and this kind of thing mm-hmm. when in doubt. Yeah. Heather, would you agree? Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, as far as Section 106 goes, that that really is only applies with, you know, federal lands, federal funds, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so. Again, you know, these things don't happen unless unless you're you're under some kind of jurisdiction from an agency. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, And we can't forget, too, the one thing that that none of this applies to is human remains. Right. Because there's no statute of limitations on murder and and you don't know how old the human remains are that you found. So you have to report them to the coroner. Yeah. Yes. The sheriff, I guess, or whoever. Yes. Don't call us. Call nine one one. Exactly. And and you know, in seriousness, like people wonder that. You know, oh my, what if I find a human skull in my backyard? What do I do? It's like, dude, call nine one one, and it'll go from yeah. there. You know. And again, you won't lose your house. You know, it, it, right. it in something that severe, it would just it would become a murder investigation. Right. I mean, you might if it's like your ex-wife from 30 years ago. But aside from that, yeah. you know, but did you, you have you met her? Have you met her? I mean, you know, I was here. I was really angry. OK, hey, Andrew, gonna, what? Here come wait, the letters. Wait, are, are we recording? <laughs> We're recording. No. Ah, damn it. Uh, 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 if you guys have any if anybody has anything that they want to write to us about Andrew's comment, write to <laughs> Dr. Bill White at Berkeley.edu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh God! Uh, and I love anyway. my 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 wife of thirty years ago. You know, my wife back back when I was like twelve. You know, uh, we were <laughs> right, right. We were we were young lovers. Exactly. Anyway, exactly. okay. Here come more letters. I know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so that's Anywho. that kind of covers you know digging around in your neighborhood right like in, if you yeah. live in a neighborhood i mean in your backyard but you know you, you come across people you know i've done a lot of work in nevada and you come across people out there that while they do own land a lot of the land that they're ranching cattle on is leased right so it's right. not technically mm-hmm. theirs they're borrowing yeah. it or they're they're renting it basically from the government and, and usually at a you know with some sort of a heavy discount or some sort of a farm subsidy or you know ranch subsidy or something like that so but they still get pretty mad because they're just like you know we don't want you to find anything because we're afraid that this will get taken away and then we'll have to go somewhere else you know something like that and i'm like I mean, I've told people before, I'm like, listen, if we do find stuff, that just means the pipeline probably can't come through. But if we don't find anything, here come the bulldozers, right? So if you don't want yeah. them coming through, don't loot your sites <laughs> because otherwise Ooh, we that. have nothing to date and no reason to call it significant. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I love that example, too. I, I love that example because that takes it away from 
don't worry about your own home being like absconded, you know, mm-hmm. by the federal government. You know, that's and I, I I continue to bring that up just because I can tell based on what my students ask and this kind of thing that people are worried about that. And I would want people to report things like this if they find it in their own backyard, you know, with the knowledge that yeah. nothing's going to happen to their private property. So that example mm-hmm. that you give is great, you know, because it shows, okay, yes, when land is leased or borrowed for, you know, cattle or whatever it may be, yeah. then it's a different situation. Andrew, I'm curious, how does what the, the conversation we're having right now compare to Belize, say? It's, it's really different because in, so in Belize, looting is just rampant, you know, and that's mm. nothing against Belize as a country. Like if you go anywhere that has, lots of you know archaeological really Mm -hmm. buildings and this kind of thing you know that you will have the looting that goes with it whether it be belize whether it be guatemala whether it be egypt you know we can go on and on greece whatever you can just uh, pick your poison but there there's a whole step-by-step process that you go through as an archaeologist you just know stuff is going to be looted so you actually have forms where you're going to fill out oh the looters trenches in this city look like this meaning that some of the pyramids will definitely have huge cutouts in them that were illegally Mm. dug you know by sometimes quite organized groups to steal and plunder antiquities that's you know that's what it is so Mm -hmm. that is a whole different world and that's just sort of a constant problem people think oh well don't they have like the equivalent of like the forest service don't they have the forest service that could that could watch for that it's like no that would take tens of thousands of people (laughs) you know and there's just so much vastness of jungle that you just would never have the manpower to cover that. So even famous sites will get looted sometimes, maybe not in the core Mm -hmm. world, the tourists are, but yeah, on the outskirts, you know, it's a, it's sort of a never ending problem. Yeah. Mm. It is a common problem. It's not just police, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are groups that work and, and try to, you know, work with, the population that are around some of these really important sites to educate them because a lot of times the reason that they're they're looting is because they're trying to make a living right? and so but the problem is, is it's short-sighted right because once you loot that that's it where they're trying to yeah. you know these groups are trying to educate the population explain to them that this is a long range you're shooting yourself in the foot So Mm -hmm. working with them, teaching them how to use their heritage to make money. And I'm surprised there's not more of that in some of these countries. But, you know, a lot of it is, I think, because it's just the country doesn't have the money. There's other things to worry about. Although, you know, there is that in in some of the countries. And I will say Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff is getting better. Right. There yes, is Peru the, has some good work. Yeah. yeah and, and actually to bring up Belize again, like a lot of the local projects do public outreach to like the local mm-hmm. schools and stuff. And there's much more of that than there used to be. So that is a nice thing. I do see definite improvement in terms of that total cliche that happens to be true of education will bring a lot of this around. Yeah. That, before we go to break, I just this always reminds me of a story that I read about a long time ago. Eugene Dubois, the 
Yeah. He's probably English. I don't know, like that. He found Java Man in the late 1800s, 1891, I think, in Indonesia. And he had a, you know, he had his little English hut or whatever he was where he didn't actually do any work. And he had, you know, locals bringing him things. And in order to incentivize them, he was paying them for any sort of artifacts or remains or anything like that that they found. Well, they they're not stupid. They learned pretty quickly that if they broke them in half, they'd get twice as much money. <laughs> so, ah, oh, he, he didn't. He wasn't wise to that right away, though. But he started saying like, "Hey, these are fresh breaks, and they fit right together." And he thought that they were just their excavation techniques were poor. And then he eventually found out that they were, in fact, breaking the artifacts in order to get more money. So, right, yeah, that's oh, obviously <laughs> that was 140, 30 years ago or so. So, right. yeah, but like you guys said, yeah, that's. Definitely changing, but also definitely still a problem uh, in the world. And it's more the poverty that's the problem, not that, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to feed your family. So, mm-hmm. right. but all right, let's take a break, come back on the other side. And I know we've all probably got a few specific examples from at least this mm-hmm. country. And we can talk about that back in a minute. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform, supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 277 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. We're talking about looting and... I thought of a couple examples that came right off the top of my head because I, I actually think about them frequently whenever I hear a topic like this. And they're, of course, CRM related. So to bring this back to, you know, the CRM Archaeology Podcast, <laughs> yeah. have we ever been on looted sites or, or had to deal with looted sites and things like that? You know, in my experience... A lot of times, no, right? Because you're going out into places where, hmm. sure, there may be previously recorded sites, and sometimes you don't find anything, but the site was also recorded 30 years ago. Is there anything to find? It, you know, it was mm-hmm. it looting or, you know, what mm-hmm. was it? So, so a lot of times it's just hard to tell if you're on a looted site or not. And, you know, and, and then other times you're finding stuff fresh. And so my couple of examples that I'll get to over the course of this segment is finding a a new site that wasn't recorded, but was clearly looted, right? And one of them was a historic site. It was kind of a historic, a small, I don't want to say town site, more like a company town site. It was near a big mining complex and there was uh, several buildings, some of which were still standing. So it was actually in pretty good shape. And there was glass everywhere from, from the glass windows, so you can tell where those were. And there was glass bottle fragments all over the place as well. But I'll tell you what, not a whole bottle or a maker's mark in sight across this whole thing. There was probably tens of thousands of shards of glass, and not a single maker's mark could be found. Not a single whole bottle, not a single other hmm. artifact. I mean, that just doesn't happen naturally. Somebody came in there... No. And now yeah. those now they're on display cases in Virginia City <laughs> so, mm-hmm. for tourists to buy, right? So yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, and and it's so obvious too. And 
you know, this, this was a more significant site just because of the structures and, and some of the other stuff that was on there. But if were, there were no structures and there were just platforms, you know, like cut and fill or something like that, platforms, and then just glass everywhere. I mean, that's not very significant unless we can tie it to a person or we can tie it to an yep. event. But right. if it's just mining and you can't even really tell what it was other than that, who cares? we got a thousand of those, right? So yeah. right. It's, it's just not significant enough. And that just means it's going to be destroyed. And I don't think people realize that when they go take stuff off of those. I don't mm-hmm. think people realize they don't even think of it as looting. I, I think yeah. a lot of people oh, don't no. even think of it that way. They, yeah. They're just and, you know, who knows when, when that and who knows when it was taken. Yeah, too. Right. And, you know, I had right. these conversations. This is not about looting, but although it, it's another form of looting, unintentional, it's intentional, but unintentionally harmful right? Mm-hmm. People aren't trying to harm. They're not trying to do something wrong. They see something cool, right? And and they, they take it. So, you know, a lot of times when we come across historic sites during construction excavation, grading of soils, and, you know, people come across it and they, and numerous times having these conversations with property owners and construction crews, trying to explain to them why you why it's important, why we have to take a look at it to them. It's just trash. Why we have to really, you know, assess whether or not it, it, it is indicative of something larger. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. And so a lot of times, yeah. you know, they see something cool, the construction guys just grab it and take it. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's harmless. Uh, I'm not saying it's, I shouldn't say it's harm. It's harmless. It's not harmless, but it is not intentionally harm, um, harmful. Right. And it's a lot, you know, that's why we do weep training. It's why we do, you know, these trainings ahead of time to educate construction personnel and, and make sure that they understand that that's, you, you can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I've worked on projects too, where the construction personnel were really knowledgeable about that stuff too. And they would point out stuff to me, you know what I mean? And oh, definitely. Like, you know, yes. and that was like totally cool. So you, it, it runs the gamut, you know, mm-hmm. of, uh, yep. in terms of people and, like you're saying, some people don't realize what they're doing. Other people right. are really, really conscientious. You know, so you just have this like super broad, super broad yep. swath in terms yep. of how people uh, treat this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it goes along with uh, prehistoric sites as well, because uh, there's there's definitely a few that I can think of. I, and I don't know if we were just in an area that was, I don't know, well traveled by. Again, like you said, Heather, we don't know when these things were looted, right? Yeah, because uh, yes. that brings up another mm-hmm. interesting point too. Let me let me talk about <laughs> this site first because we were we were on this Native American prehistoric site, right? And we have no idea how old it was because there were no points, no points, no preforms, no fragments of points, no nothing, yeah. right? But there was probably thousands of flakes. There was at least several hearths, lots of them all over the place. There was you know grinding stone. There was all kinds of stuff, but oddly enough, no points. And our first thought when, when, you know, my, my crew was on there was just like, oh, you know, this has been looted. The damn ranchers, you know, the, those guys took all the things. And I'm not going to say it wasn't them because, you know, it could have been right because they're out there. They see that stuff and they've got a whole every rancher talks about their coffee can full of projectile points sitting on the, you know, yeah. the mantle. But I'm also like. You know, if this was like a several thousand year old site or even a several hundred year old site, I'll tell you what, if I'm a Native American and I come across that and there's things that I don't have to make and then they're already there mm-hmm. and they're good. I mean, unless there's some sort of like bad ancestor juju on those things, then I'm probably going to use them. Right. And I don't yeah, know. There right. might be there might be cultural problems with using that kind of stuff. Right. I don't know. But 
I just feel like I'd use it because <laughs> I got to feed course. my family. <laughs> and, and I mean, the depth, of, the depth of time on so much of that stuff is so vast that it's like, if you happen to find something that's at the time, a thousand years old, <laughs> right. you know, you're going to pick it up and you're like, this is a good piece of obsidian. Those are some of my favorite artifacts. The ones that were obviously picked up and <laughs> reused. They were something, you know, from much earlier, but they were refashioned. Like those mm-hmm. are great. Yeah, of course. People are. And people. how would they know? Honestly? No, yeah. And they don't. Yeah. Are, are it's they like supposed they to be like. And right. (laughs) They're not going to be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's a Clovis point. We can't. We got to leave that. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think that they they can identify, obviously. I mean, they're they're they probably looked and and were curious, just like we were. And of course uh, we are. And and they looked at things and that would identify something as being different than what they had. Writers. But I don't. But to have that to understand the depth of time, like you said, for them mm-hmm. to know, oh, yeah, this was, you know, 900 years ago. No, but- of course. <laughs> yeah. And plus it's plus it's going to be most likely broken and also not sharp anymore. So they're like, well, <laughs> right. I'll use this as raw material. I'll sharpen it up and it'll be great. You know, sure, like yeah. uh, I love those examples of reuse. You know, they're, they're so yeah. human. People you know, talk about how there's so few Clovis points, you know, in the, in, in North America, because there was, you know, fewer people down there, but uh, yeah, they're probably just all retouched and turned into something else. So, you know, mm-hmm. cause they've yeah. been around for 10,000 years. <laughs> yeah. And plus, do you want to walk 50 miles to the obsidian source or <laughs> right. do you want to like take this <laughs> exactly. right here? I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Th- this was, I thought it was so cool. I came across, it was a, a prehistoric site and came across a looter's stash Mm. Uh, this person yeah. had obviously stashed some uh, tools so he wouldn't have because where we were is pretty high elevation. It was a yeah. bit of a trek to get up there. And so whoever it was had stashed some tools that they could you know, not have to trek in. And we came across and it was clearly I mean, this stuff was clearly <laughs> over 100 years old. So oh you have a prehistoric site and then you have a historic site of looting. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was super cool. It's like, pretty I, fascinating. Crazy. That was fat. Yeah, it was fun. And, and so, yeah, it just makes you look at things uh, uh, completely differently. So we, yeah, yeah we, but we recorded both, you know, the prehistoric and then the evidence of looting as a historic site. Right. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I do find having come across so many sites over my career that were looted or messed up, you know, in in whatever way, it does add this negative cloud, you know, to kind of what you're doing. But I I will say one thing that it has pushed me towards, especially as I've gotten older in this field, is actually doing more excavation at the time at Mm. the site. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you had interviewed me like 15 years ago, I would have been much more conservative in terms of like excavation, kind of leaving it for the future, you know, this kind of thing. But I've seen so many things messed up that I'm like, you guys, we need to get it now because there won't be a tomorrow, you know? So let's Mm -hmm. get this in a scientific measured manner instead of just letting it just get destroyed by looting. Yeah, that's so crazy too, uh, Heather. I was thinking about your example. Like when, you know, it's it's interesting. Like when does something become part of the archaeological record? I mean, aside mm-hmm, from like mm-hmm. fifty years, this kind of thing. But if if something has, you know, had a significant impact on something, that is one of the criteria for becoming part of you know uh, the historical record. Is you've had a significant <laughs> impact on something, right? So if if your vandalism or your looting has, well, that becomes 
unfortunately part of the archaeological record. And one of the uh, other good examples I can think of is Little Petroglyph Canyon in Ridgecrest on the China Lake Naval Weapons Center. And mm-hmm. nobody's been able to get on that base since the mid 40s without, you know, a military escort. <laughs> so it's been highly protected since then. But before that, it was all ranchers and and other people. And as soon as they locked off the base and, and locked off this whole land, well, you know, the, the military obviously knew about that site because you go up there and there's a, there's an E equals MC squared etched into the rocks along with the petroglyphs. Thousands and thousands of panels, by the way. And there's an E equals MC squared. There's there, That's the one that really sticks out in my head. There's other clearly mm. modern things, uh, you know, from like the last century. But these things are also probably from like the 50s or 60s when... You know, or even the 40s, for that matter, when, you know, they just there was there was very little protection from the base of that site. Now there's heavy protection from the base on that site. Like you literally can't go up there without like the base archaeologist and escort, you know, and and everybody knowing that you're there. So and it's one of the few places they won't just indiscriminately bomb. So, you know, that's good. You know, Chris, I'm tired of your lies because that's obviously proof of aliens. They wrote E equals MC squared <laughs> 10,000 years ago. Oh, uh, I mean, and you just, true. you know, stop keeping that from the general public is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. not only did they did they give us, you know, the formula for the speed of light, but they also gave yeah. us our alphabet and number system. So 10,000 years ago, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty exactly. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I just, I, I, it's, it's been hard for all of us to keep this from the general public for so long. <laughs> right. Right. You heard it all here, right. folks. Here I, the dude, it's the, the pseudo archaeology podcast, man. It bleeds <laughs> in, you know. All right. Well, while, while we work on our cover story and more lies, let's take a break and come back on the other side. <laughs> back in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 277. And we're talking about looting and something I was thinking about as we're wrapping this up. And we're going to you know, talk a little bit about you know what happens if you find looting and, and things like that. But... Andrew, when you were talking about Belize earlier, it made me it made me wonder if, you know, because we just had an Indiana Jones movie come out and in these kind of classic Indiana Jones areas, you know, like jungles, (laughs) stuff like Mm -hmm. that. When a movie of that type comes out and, and it's dealing with artifacts and things like that, I wonder if there's an increase in looting in certain areas when, you know, maybe locals saw the movie or they see trailers or they see something and they're like, Hey, you know what? It's not a half bad idea. I'm going to go out and find some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Is there, or not even locals, but other people coming in saying Um, this is a good idea. (laughs) uh, I think that's, I think it's a great question. I'm sure there's some sort of like 10% bump for a little while. It would be my guess. (laughs) But like you said, it's not, it's not the locals. It's going to be, because again, some of this stuff is 
big multinational mm. like James Bond business craziness, sure. you know. So what's going to happen wow. is that like the the super rich person who wants this stuff will get in touch with the middleman who will then organize, you know, a crew of local farmers or something to mm-hmm. loot a, a certain site. I can't I can't tell to that fine a grain, you know, like like increases <laughs> or decreases and stuff. I would say over the to my feeling over the decades, it's gotten a little better, meaning there's been a little bit less looting just because I think worldwide we're just better interconnected. Things are better recorded. Mm. You know what I mean? With LIDAR and all this kind of stuff, right. just more people. It's harder to do something illicit and illegal like that than it used to be. So sure. I do see a decrease in it. It still happens a lot. And sometimes it's just really sad. But but moments of of sheer depression and looting are less than they used to be, if that makes sense. Mm. There you go. Yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. it's... it's I don't really come across looting hardly ever. I mean, like what I'm talking about earlier about, you know, construction personnel grabbing things. It's I wouldn't necessarily I I don't really consider that looting. Is that a good thing? No, it's not. But I, I think it's. Yeah, it's innocent. They they, right. they don't realize what they're doing. They just see something cool. It's everything's all mixed up. It's it's an old bottle. They don't consider that or even think about that as being, you know, an artifact. And so, but I haven't, like, I think once I came across, I've seen a lot of sites. Mm-hmm. Once I've come across and seen a looted site and, and it was minimal. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was, it was of human remains, you know, mm. somebody going in and trying to get grave goods. But yeah. other than that, I haven't really experienced it. I do, I do think that just out of ignorance, People don't realize that, you know, they come across, I don't know, if anyone's gone to Bodie, which is a ghost town right in California, oh, yeah. there's signs everywhere there. So it's pretty, you can't walk on that property and under, and not realize that you can't take stuff. You know, it's not, mm, right. that's not okay. But I think when people come across an old abandoned building, like my grand, my father actually took me, that was his thing, was as a kids, he would, we, when we would come across abandoned buildings, he would take us inside and we, and we would look or it drove my mom crazy because yeah. she was like, I'm just waiting for, <laughs> you know, like in, and I'm from Illinois. So there's basements and some, you know, us falling through, that was all her, always her fears that we would mm. fall through the, the floorboards, but sure. You know, people, if you come across something cool, nobody would think, oh, it's an old, gross, abandoned building. They just grab it. (laughs) Right. And so they don't think of it that way. And now you're seeing what I think is more than Indiana Jones, because that's very fantastical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is is some of this YouTube that you see, you know, I see a decent amount on social media where you have some people that are, you know, I think to myself, wow, with the amount of archaeologists we have out there, I, I wouldn't mind taking this guy and and turning him for good <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> he does all this research right to find out where there could be deposits of old bottles and in mining towns and things like that and then he goes out and he digs it up and he has these pictures where he's like hundreds of bottles that he's found and it's a pretty cool you know it's a pretty good good collection that he that he has for himself and obviously that is looting yeah totally. but i don't think people see it that way i know they, see, but they, that's the problem i've, I've exactly. seen i've seen this kind of stuff you know on youtube on social media whatever and there it's basically like these guys it's like this narcissistic thing where they like 
do this YouTube channel and go look at me. And they often yeah. equate themselves to sort of an Indiana Jones persona sure. or whatever. And they're like, I'm out here just like finding treasure. And I, I hate that stuff because it makes the general public think it's okay. It sort of doubles down exactly. on, no, this is just, this is okay. And I will say I've even, because, because I have a YouTube presence too, uh, um, <laughs> that some of these guys have gotten in touch with me once or twice and mm-hmm. I did take the call. And what I mean by that is I didn't go on their show or anything, but I did try and do that thing that you're saying, Heather. I did try and kind of turn them to good. Like I mm-hmm. I talked with them like on Zoom or whatever. And I'd be like, you know, what you're doing isn't the most ethical thing ever, you know, and it might even be illegal um, if you could, you know, you should curb it. You should do this way. You should work with these people. Like I try, I tried, you know, mm-hmm. turn them to good. And they kind of they listen to what I'm what I said, but then several months later, I saw them post again, and they're just doing the same old stuff. Like they're <laughs> they're doing that, like you know, I have have metal detector will travel kind of thing, where they just well, detect, and it's it's a bummer, and they just don't they don't get the ethical consequences of what they're doing. Well, and that's a good point because this is yeah. that's ethical or ethically wrong, but in many cases, it's not legally wrong. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, some of these guys are really walking the fine line. Sometimes it is, you know, they're they're just they're out there they're on public lands or this kind of thing, like, right. you know, going for it. And it's just it continues that false narrative of finders keepers, you know, which which always bothers me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also a, a really good reason why at universities, they really have to Yeah, I think it's a really good reason to have more field classes. I mean, there's people I did. Now I think about it like I didn't come across this guy's looting, but I was at this restaurant and it was not a bartender. It was like a fish restaurant. So it was the guy was kind of like shucking the oysters and everything. And he's talking to the people sitting next to me and showing them pictures of Mm. I'm talking like some amazing artifacts (laughs) that he found. And he knew like this guy knows the land like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he yep. knows mm. it better than most archaeologists, oh, if yeah. not any archaeologists in the area. And sometimes, you know, you have to work with these guys to get some information. And that happens all the time with museums. I, th- I think people don't realize that that is yeah. definitely a common thing. And it's not it's not that the museums are are authorizing this at all but they want these collections at least to be able to take them out from somebody's bookcase and you know and and so it's not like they're encouraging them many times the museums were able to get these collections years down the road acquire them through some heavy negotiation but it's certainly that kind and it's usually hush hush because that's that kind of thing is i know know, just encourages more i mean i'm I'm glad it ultimately ends up in a museum and not in someone's closet. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it it maintains that storyline where the looter gets to go. Yeah. And then the museum yeah. bought it. So I I, mm-hmm. I just I'm doing I'm doing God's work. <laughs> I, I got the artifacts and now they're in the museum. And it's like, yeah, with no context and nobody knows where the hell they right. went from. You and know, I, think, so. I think some people have this misconception that it's done for money. And yeah, from my understanding, not. and most times it's not, it's it, no. it's just bragging rights. Yeah, that's my experience 100% of the time. Yeah, at least in California. I'm sure that's different maybe in Belize, 
oh, and yeah. in other Some. areas. But, but even here, there, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's everything. I think everyone kind of has that same mentality. Very similar. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess, is there any advice we can provide for somebody who finds looting when they're out on a CRM project and, and definite clear evidence. Let's throw vandalism in there too, right? Because looting is oh, a form of vandalism, yeah. to, I mean, to be honest, right? So, yeah, well, I mean, what do you do if you find something like that? I mean, the first obvious answer I can come up with, because working in Nevada a lot, I mean, like 90% of Nevada's BLM land. And the first thing you do is you call the BLM archaeologist that is <laughs> you know, for that district that you're in. So yeah. you, you have to have their contact info when you're out there anyway. They approve your permit to go out there. So, you know, you let them know and then they deal with it. Well, I think that reporting it obviously is essential um, more yeah. than just documenting, documenting it on a site record is essential mm. because you need to know where, what the patterns are. Yes. And then I, I do think that people because that's how you're going to stop it. Right. And mm. people need to have a critical eye when they see the looting and try. It's not just, oh, there's looting. Like, I think people really need to think about it and say, OK, how could we potentially identify a period of time that this occurred? Is it new? Mm-hmm. Did this yeah. happen a while ago? Because if it is new and let's say you're doing a large survey and you're finding it over and over again, then this is something that could potentially be curbed in the future because you have you have somebody doing it presently. And so reporting is really important. And then when you come across it, documenting the manner in which it was done. Yeah. So that exact- maybe there's some way of stopping it. Right. And the exact location, too, because, you know, there's there's usually some mm-hmm. corner or something, someplace where other people can't really see. I've seen that a lot, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it happens. And like we're saying, you know, if if something was looted 80 years ago, it's hard to see sometimes where the previous looting was. So mm-hmm. document that's why documenting it is so important, too, yep. because you don't want to start your excavation and like, hey, guess what? You just excavated a looter's back there right. pile. You know, I think so. an, another another thing to consider is that when we come across a site, so let's say we're, you know, we go, we do a record search. We know we have sites there documenting and doing a continuation sheet for a site is important. Yeah, totally. But even yeah. if it's exactly in the same shape as it was when it was recorded previously, you know, not everybody's recording is as good as another's. Yep. But even if it matches exactly what you're seeing, this puts a timestamp on when the or potentially if it gets looted down the road, this puts a timestamp on when it was still in the same shape. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I think a lot of times when people come across a site and they see that it it is very similar, if not exactly in the same shape than what they're reading in the site record, they don't do a continuation sheet. And right. I think that. That is that's something that is an oversight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take too long to do it. It's a few sentences, especially yeah. if nothing's changed. So, yeah, and it's really worthwhile in the future. You know, 20 mm-hmm. years on, like that's the stuff you oh, want to yeah. see. Yeah, And then I sure. think the other thing is, it's not just about let's if you come across looting, just documenting the looting and just, you know, shedding a tear and moving on. I mean, it does need to be rec- <laughs> it does need to be turned in. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, depending on what kind of land it is. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Anything else to add on this before we go? 
Yeah, I guess just that for those of you listening who are archaeologists and work in this world, you know, dealing with looters is intrinsically dicey and a pain. You'll you will have <laughs> extremes on all sides. You will have in the archaeology community, you will have people who think that if you ever even talk to a looter, you're a horrible academic and need to you know turn in your master's degree. And then on the flip side, maybe you have people who are a little too easygoing. But overall, I find, as in so many things, you know, you do want to just sort of like make initial contact and just to kind of see what's going on, but then don't divulge anything to them. Cause sometimes they're really wily and sneaky to try and get mm-hmm. you <laughs> to tell them where Very stuff true. is or to, yes. to tell them how old, what they have is. I've had people come up to me mm-hmm. very sneaky and be like, so how old do you think this is? But luckily <laughs> for me, my, my looter radar is pretty good. And I just talk in circles, you know, and I don't say anything while on the inside I'm dying because I'll be like, oh, my God, that's a Clovis (laughs) point, you know, or whatever. But I would say for for people in the field, be really, you know, have your guard up if you're dealing with people and you'll feel it because they'll ask you questions that are like way too knowledgeable. You know, that's not like the same old general public interest. They're like knowledgeable. So. Hmm. Try not to divulge. Don't accidentally divulge stuff because if you're lazy, you will. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say one one more thing is that be approachable, not approachable yeah. by looters, but be approachable, especially if you're somebody who is forward facing with a company, you're a monitor, you're totally. in the fields a lot. Make sure that you are communicating with the people that are non-archaeologists. That's why we do WEEP trainings, uh, Workers Environmental Awareness Program trainings, for those that don't know what that means. Hmm. And the more that you build relationships and and the more that you talk to people, I mean, you're standing out there doing nothing nothing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) At least it gives you something to do. But creating relationships, because a lot of people, it's just ignorance. They don't realize it's not wrong. Or, th- or that it is wrong. And then, yeah, yeah I, I think that is right there. That's where you can make a difference in your own totally. world is is just communicating and being approachable, yeah. not being this, you know, like, I, I can't wait to shut down your project, you know, type yeah. of yes. arc- uh, uh, monitor. So. Yeah. Or 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 seeing, you know, the the one construction worker who, you know, goes, oh, this bottle's pretty cool and and somehow lambasting him or something, because I've seen that form of stuff, too. You're right. That's so important. The approachability thing that sort of, you know, uh, trust, but verify. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a great topic. And, you know, I'm sure we've all got some bit of experience with this. So, yeah. Yeah, if you got any comments, please make them on the show notes for this uh, episode on arcpodnet.com and wherever you see this. And feel free to share it out as well because, you know, we can't really share it into the all the different groups on the socials because, well, that looks self-serving and people don't like that. So please share this with your colleagues and uh, don't expect us to do it <laughs> because we can't. <laughs> all right. With that, we will see you guys next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.arcpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. 
Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to listeners in the field. Wow, that's not right. Yeah, what yeah. happened? Uh, I don't know. Let me see it again. <laughs> I'm reading it. Even. You've only been doing this 277 <laughs> times. Oh, my God. I drove seven hours today in a 35,000-pound house. Give me a break. I'm tired okay, of go. your excuses. Unless it I was know. an actual house, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> okay. There we go. Thanks, to everyone, for joining me this week. Thanks also to listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> see you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.